A lot of times when clients come to us, they think they know what they want, but they have not really done um, the self-work and gained level of self-awareness needed to get into a healthy relationship. And so a lot of times, you know, our clients, they're successful and they have got it, you know, like mastered. But then when it comes time to really looking at like what makes a healthy relationship for them and what they're bringing to the table, sometimes that takes a little bit of work. And it's really challenging sometimes getting through to clients who are used to being the boss. Welcome to Love, Laughs, and Lessons, the podcast where we create a safe and inclusive space to have open and honest conversations about all things relationships, from romance to family dynamics to friendships, and most importantly, the relationships we have with ourselves. I'm Dr. Frankie, a clinical psychologist, board-certified sex therapist, and expert in human behavior. And I'm Denise Ray, certified matchmaker, science-based dating and relationship coach, and intimacy and relationship coach with over a decade of experience. Join us on a journey through life's love, laughs, and lessons. Hello, hello, hello. Dr. Frankie here. And this is Love, Laughs, and Lessons. And we are doing our matchmaker series, which I'm super excited about. Um, I am a matchmaker and have been the CEO for Little Gay Book and Little Black Book Matchmaking for, we're going to be celebrating 15 years in September, which is amazing. So excited. Um, I'm also a clinical psychologist and a dating and relationship expert and a board certified sex therapist. So this podcast, we talk about it all, um, whether it be sex, relationships, dating, romance. And this series is just all about matchmaking. So we're interviewing matchmakers all over the world. And we want to hear from them about how they do what they do. And we're excited to be here. And my co-host, Denise, take over. (laughs) I'm Denise Ray, and I am the Client Service Director and Certified Matchmaker Relationship Coach at Little Gay Book, and we are so excited. We are pleased to welcome Amber Lee. Amber Lee is the CEO of Select Date Society. She is a luxury matchmaker with over 25 years of celebrated expertise in creating meaningful connections. So Amber has been featured in Forbes, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, Cosmopolitan, the New York Times, and more. So Amber, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so happy to see you and we're excited to hear all about what you offer. Thank Ah. you, Denise. I'm glad to be here. So where are you in the country or the world? (laughs) Yeah, so at the moment I'm in Puerto Rico. So um, our company, we're all remote. So everybody on our team is spread out throughout the country and actually some overseas as well. And I split my time between Puerto Rico and Virginia. Oh my gosh. I love Puerto Rico. Where in Puerto Rico specifically? On the Southeast part of the island to Umacao. It's about 45 minutes outside of San Juan. Okay. I'm familiar with San Juan. So do you work with a specific population? So yeah, we work with um, really both men and women. We work with heterosexual clients throughout the United States. So we're pretty much, you know, we're a remote team. We have clients in major metro areas, not so much small town USA, um, but major cities throughout the United States. That's awesome. And what are the cities that you would say you mainly focus yeah, it's um, our focus changes, right? As our clients change and as they're in different areas and interested in different areas, I would say big areas for us right now, San Francisco Bay Area, New York City, 
uh, DC and the Carolinas, as well as South Florida and LA too. So it seems to be more coast, more of the coast, but there are, you know, areas in between like Dallas and Chicago as well. Awesome. All over. And would you take on a client outside of the U.S.? Yeah, we do. Actually, we have a couple of clients in Canada and we also have some clients in Australia. So yeah, we have clients overseas as well. So every client's different as, as you both know, matchmaking is so personal. So it's really about coming up with a strategy and a plan for that specific client and making sure it makes sense. And we're not for everyone. So, you know, if we're not the right matchmaking firm for that client, we certainly refer them to somebody else who maybe can get the job done or have more resources for what they're looking for specifically. But yeah, I mean, so depending on the client and their expectations, but you know what? The beautiful thing that's happened the last couple of years since COVID is everybody is remote and everybody is open to geographical parameters that, you know, previously they hadn't considered. And so most of the clients we work with are really interested in meeting people, not only nationwide, but oftentimes worldwide as well. Which that's like the biggest blessing I have found. Yes. And uh, it is. Yeah. Because years ago, it was just so hard getting clients to go on dates outside of their area. Oh my gosh, you're, five years ago, I think convincing somebody to drive an hour for a date was a challenge. And now it's like people fly three hours across the country. I was saying 30 minutes. Like if they were like, they have to be within, they have to be on the next block or they don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which has limited our success in the past. I know you both have seen this as well. Like I was looking the last three couples that we have engaged. Well, one's married now. They had their wedding. They they all three of them started out in different areas. So one of them was in North Carolina and Chicago. They're married now. One of them was in Ohio and Savannah, Georgia. They just moved in together. Another one was literally coast to coast, Beverly Hills and New York. And she moved from New York to Beverly Hills to move in with him. And so all of yeah. these relationships would not have happened in the past. That's, yeah. right. that's, that's right. amazing. And Beverly Hills, New York, that's far. That's a six hour yes. right there. So yeah. and, 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 <laughs> and get this, their first in-person date was in Venice, Italy. So yeah, they had FaceTime dates before that. And then they both happened to be going to Europe at the same time and met up for the first time in Venice. So it was like meant to be. Yeah. yeah. How could you not fall in love in Venice? I know, right? <laughs> so are you going to get to go to the wedding? I hope so. I mean, I can't imagine where the wedding's going to be, but I know it's going to be somewhere spectacular. Yeah, I hope I get an invite. They're engaged. I haven't set a date yet. How many matches have you made? Over the years. Oh my gosh. I wish I would have kept track. And my, so I started in this career very young in my twenties. I did not think about the business side of matchmaking. So I wasn't keeping like statistics. Um, I wish I would have, I've been doing this since 1998. So, you know, you can imagine hundreds of matches, um, and really great couples that have happened. Some that I still stay in touch with others, you know, in matchmaking, we always say like when they need us, when they're looking and they're actively searching, we hear from them every day when they found their partner, we often never hear from them again, which is fine. That's what we want. We want them to go off and, and enjoy life with somebody that they're in love with. But yeah, definitely hundreds. How did you get started, Amber? Can you tell us your, your origin story? Yeah. So I went to college when I was 16. 
thought I wanted to be an attorney, was super motivated to get out and start life. And then when I was 18, um, on summer break, I answered an ad in a newspaper back when we actually had newspapers and looked at classified ads for summer work and um, opened it up and saw an ad for a receptionist at a matchmaking agency. And I was super excited got that position, literally fell in love with the clients, with the job, told my parents I was dropping out of college, that I found my career, and I've been doing it ever since. That's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, In 1998, there were not a lot of matchmakers on the scene. No, no, we back then we literally I mean, we still say we can select introductions because we do. But now we have computer systems to help us stay organized. Back then we had profile cards. The men were on a blue profile card. The women were on a pink profile card. Definitely wouldn't happen that way today. And everyone had a Polaroid picture. They came into the office. We snapped a Polaroid of them and we wrote their first name and their age and the bottom of their Polaroid and stapled it to their profile card. (laughs) (laughs) And then it went in the file box and the matching was one and one and one. And then you put them together with the paperclip and one and one, you see, yeah. Yeah, see, don't we all sound so old? <laughs> we do. I know. I was. I started to stop, and then I didn't. I was like, "Yeah, that sounds really." <laughs> yeah. So I have a 15 year old daughter, and when I try to explain to her kind of the old ways of doing things before we had all this technology, um, she literally like cannot imagine the world that we are living in. Thank God we have CRMs now for matchmaking. Makes absolutely. Fun. Yeah. So give us a sense of like what. What's been really challenging, like what's challenging about your job as a matchmaker? Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing is just preparing people for healthy relationships. And so a lot of times when clients come to us, they think they know what they want, but they have not really done um, the self-work and, and, and gained level of self-awareness needed to get into a healthy relationship. And so a lot of times, you know, our clients, they're successful. They're, they're CEOs, they're running huge companies and corporations, and they have got it, you know, life mastered, like they've got it down to a T. But then when it comes time to really looking at like what makes a healthy relationship for them and what they're bringing to the table, sometimes that takes a little bit of work. And it's really challenging sometimes getting through to clients who are used to being the boss. Um, I, I was talking to a client earlier today and she is a billionaire running three different companies. And she said to me, oh my gosh, I've never felt this anxious in my life. I wanted to call you every day this week because that's something about letting go of that control when you're used to being in control of every area of your life and kind of giving the reins to somebody else, like putting your fate in their hands feels really, really scary to clients. I'm sure you both have had that experience as well. Absolutely. Earlier today, I was just talking about that. Yeah, that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, as a matchmaker is to help people like our clients just feel safe and to trust in our process and let us hold the reins. Like, let us, we're experts. They've hired us because they believe we're capable. Now they have to let go of some of that control. And that, yeah, not easy. Yeah, huge challenge for most people. Yeah. So do you engage them in coaching when you see that that's like an issue where they're kind of, they're needing some guidance and do you offer coaching? Yeah. Well, we do some, we do some things. We don't necessarily call it coaching, but it's certainly coaching. 
Uh, We have some personality assessments that we do. We take them through the Enneagram, which I think is a really great assessment. We use the official Enneagram Institute. So it's a really in-depth profile on who they are and then talking through the results and what that means for them and what that means for future relationships. We also talk about their love history. We literally talk about how love has shown up for them from childhood until now. And so a lot of times that means having conversations about like what their parents' relationship was like, what that taught them about love, how that shaped their feelings, and just having those conversations where people can really get introspective and realize how they started forming some of their beliefs around love and relationships. And I think that's the first step is identifying wow, this is where that belief comes from. And then you can work on kind of changing that. Yeah. And I love the Enneagram. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. You find that the clients are receptive, like after they're learning all of this information about themselves, do, is it sometimes scary for them? Like, you know, sometimes you, you, you find out so much information and now you're overwhelmed and you're like, okay, maybe I'm not ready. that's that's a good point so i think that the feeling of being overwhelmed is really common but i think that's also why they feel good about their decision to work with a matchmaker because when they start taking in all the information and all the things to consider they do feel like oh my gosh this was a lot and thank god i have you guys on my side. Thank goodness you guys are here as my sounding board to talk through these things with. And so I think it it both makes them anxious and overwhelmed, but at the same time, it really solidifies that they made the right decision to work with a matchmaker. Yeah. That this is the change that needs to happen. These are the people that are showing, shining the light on these areas. And now I can move forward with support, which is so much easier and better and beneficial, more beneficial than moving forward and not having a clue. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as matchmakers, we all have all these great resources. You know, we've read all the books. We listen to the podcast. We know, you know, all the things that people should be doing. And so even just being able to recommend to clients like, hey, based on our conversation, you need to go check out this book. You need to listen to this. Just pointing them in the right direction. So they're not sitting there trying to do all the research on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's so much out there. It's overwhelming. For sure. Not all good. Not all good stuff. (laughs) That's a good point, Denise. Absolutely. (laughs) And so I think also for us to be the experts to kind of weed out, you know, some of the misinformation that's out there, you know, and give them true guidance and helping them to navigate what they should be looking at. Yeah. So how do you do what you do? Do you coordinate the dates for them? Do you like, what does it look like to work with you, your agency? Yeah. Yeah, we do everything. So at Select Date Society, we have a small team. We're a boutique firm. Um, So we do everything from, you know, making the matches and then they have a date concierge. So when a client has a date with us, their date concierge will actually set up the date, meaning, you know, making the reservations, taking care of coordinating schedules, everything, sending out confirmations, taking care of all of that. And then the matchmaking team gets feedback after their dates. That's the key to making this all work is getting their feedback, finding out what worked, what didn't, if they're going out again, you know, giving us a guideline to focus on moving forward. You know, the more our clients go out, obviously, the better we get to know them and the more we kind of fine tune things. And so that's a really important part of the process. Yeah, I think that's so invaluable, the feedback process. Yeah. Like we do that absolutely. Too. For us and for them as matchmakers and for them. Do you ever share the partner's feedback? 
Like, do you share like you because you both people are your clients. And so you get feedback from one and you get feedback from the other. Do you ever share the feedback with the other person? Yeah. So the interesting thing is not always is it two clients going out because we work as essentially executive recruiters for our clients' love lives. And so oftentimes that means we're seeking out the right match for them. So they don't necessarily always have to be both of our clients. Um, but yes, we definitely give feedback, not in the way that, you know, obviously we want people to feel comfortable in a confidential manner to give us feedback, but then we can take that feedback and have those coaching conversations you know, have those conversations around the feedback that we heard. But yeah, there's certainly feedback that we ask, can we share this? And, you know, usually the answer is yes. Most people are very open to their feedback being shared, especially when a great day happens and they want to see that person again. They say, yes, tell them I'm interested. I want to call them, make sure they're okay with that. And so oftentimes we are sharing, maybe not the all the entirety of the feedback, all the nitty gritty details, but yeah, in a roundabout way, we're definitely sharing. Yeah, and that's what helps course. them to get better. Yeah, of course, right? Because we never know how we show up. We don't know how people perceive us. And I think in the dating world, that's so important because you could be doing Absolutely. that, you know, one or two things that may be turning someone off and you don't know that you're doing that. Yeah, and yeah, that's and that unique, right, about matchmaking that we get to give that feedback, we find out. Because if you're using a dating app, what happens? Usually people just ghost you. There's no, you're never going right. to find out. <laughs> yeah, that's the benefit of working with a matchmaker. And you know what? Most people are really open to feedback. Like I said, most people are like, yes, certainly share my feedback. But most of our clients, they want to hear the feedback. They want to know the good, the bad, the ugly. Most people, you know, they're adults. They can take it and they want to learn and get better. Yeah. You want to improve. I think we all, I think in this industry, especially if you're putting yourself out there and you're hiring a matchmaker, you want the results. And so you're all in. So you want to hear, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, just like you said. Yes. What about photos? Yes. Yes. We absolutely show photos. Um, <laughs> we do not believe in sending anybody out blindly. Now, photos are tricky because we want to show the right photos. And so sometimes that means having a conversation with a client or a potential match about like, hey, these photos are not representing you well. You know, we've seen you on Zoom. We've seen you. You look really great. And these photos do not do you justice. So we need to have professional photos taken, you know, fun, flirty photos where you're smiling or you're laughing, not looking so serious. We don't want to use your LinkedIn headshot. You know, we want a fun dating photo. And so sometimes having conversations about getting the right types of photos, but we absolutely share photos. Now, I will say that I believe that attraction is so much more than just what's on paper, just a two-dimensional photo. So although we share photos so that they have an idea of who they're meeting, what that person looks like, they're not showing up, not knowing, but we also have the conversation about, look, a, an attraction happens, chemistry happens in real life, not by looking at a photo. That's why swiping doesn't work. Swiping through photos, you're missing out so much on like how somebody talks, how they feel when they reach out and touch your arm when they're laughing, how they smell, like how your body reacts to them. And so Yes, we share photos, but we also encourage people to keep an open mind and really let the chemistry happen in person versus on a photograph. Yeah. So setting those expectations. Yeah. So what yeah. happens when you have a client that's like looking at the photos and again and again, you know, you're selecting somebody that you really have vetted and have considered given all their criteria that's important to them and they're continuing to say, no, 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 I'm going to pass. What do you do? 
So that shouldn't happen if I'm doing my job correctly, because number one, clients hire us because they want our expertise. They trust us. And so if we're doing a really good job, that client is going to trust us and believe in us and and trust the process. So I've had that happen where a client has said, you know what? I'm not attracted to this person. Maybe I usually go for blondes and you're showing me a brunette and I usually like tall and she looks, you know, she's five, two. But that client will say, but I trust you. If you feel like there's enough of an opportunity for connection and compatibility and you see something in this match, I'll absolutely meet with her and give you my feedback. And that's what happens. I think it's important to establish a really great connection with the client. As matchmakers, we need to connect with the clients and we need to have some chemistry um, and that kind of rapport with clients so that they do trust us. Because you're right, there are times when somebody will look at a photo and say, I'm just not feeling it. But if we've established that trust or rapport with them, they're going to trust us. They're going to meet with a person. And nine times out of 10, they come back and say, you know what? You were right. This was a great match. Now I see why you put us together. So what about that client? That's like, you know, because we we work with very, right, very successful, powerful, you know, people who who are very comfortable and used to being in charge. So what about that client? That's like, no, I, I, there's no way I know instantly can you tell this is like, this has happened to be made. I know it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if there's going to be an attraction, this is not possible. And what do you So look at the level that we work with clients, we work with mostly entrepreneurs and C-suite executives. Our programs, they start out at 35,000. We have VIP clients that are paying us 150,000 or more. So those clients have high expectations. They're committed. They're invested in this. They want to get their money's worth, right? And so if somebody absolutely looks at a photo and says, well, 100%, I could never feel attracted to this person, we'll move on. Like that's their prerogative. But again, I think that if I've done my job correctly and I've conveyed that I'm the expert. And so before we ever present matches to somebody, when they sign on with us, it's about six to eight weeks before they're even getting a match because we spent so much time doing our due diligence, getting to know that client and working through the personality assessments and their love history before we even start presenting matches. So at that point, they should trust us as the expert and they should feel like they're in good hands, which they are, um, to be able to say yes to matches. But that happened. I mean, certainly clients have looked at a match or something silly. Even beyond that, I think that, um, Frankie, you're talking about men. Men are pretty much the ones that look at the photos and say no. Um, And the opposite of that happens with women, right? Women might look at where he went to college and say, oh my gosh, um, I had a doctor who I presented to a woman and he had gotten his medical license in a a school in the Caribbean. And she said, that's not a real medical school. You know, I want somebody who's been to a top school in the US. And so women do the same thing. It's usually not about the looks, but it's about something else in the profile. And so again, it's just having that rapport where they trust us. And ultimately it's their decision. If they don't, if they want to pass up on an opportunity, that's on them. But I I think most clients for the, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like for the most part, part of our job is to screen clients just as much as they're vetting us, we're vetting them. And you know, when you're interviewing somebody, if they're going to be a potential problem, if they're not going to be fun to work with, if they're going to look for the negative rather than the positive, then we'll probably not even take them as a client to begin with. And I think that's really important for clients to know that we don't just take anybody on and that it's important for them to be willing to give up the control to not decide to move forward unless they feel like we're capable and they can trust us. They're willing to trust us because we can't be successful if they're 
not willing to do those things. So absolutely. I love that you do the groundwork though, really to develop a relationship and help them better understand themselves. They can bring their best selves forward and also build that rapport so that they can trust you and let you do what you're great at. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, matchmakers always say, you know, matchmaking is more of an art than a science. And I agree with that 100%, 100%. But I think that there are things we can do, you know, kind of the science behind why relationships work. And there are some of those tools that we can incorporate. And all matchmakers aren't created equal. So I think there are some people playing matchmaker that just are kind of haphazardly throwing people together. And then I think there are matchmaking agencies like ours or like yours that really take the time to understand what's going to make a good, healthy relationship. And that's what we're in the business of doing. We're not in the business of just throwing people out on dates. Like we're here to find them their person. We're not a dating service. We're a matchmaker. And I, yeah. So, huge difference. Huge difference. <laughs> but I think that the general public doesn't understand that. They don't understand the intricacies and what we go through and what lies behind the matches and what we're putting into it. So do you want to share just a little bit more about that and, and what that looks like for you and your team? Yeah, there's a lot of work that um, that goes in behind the scenes. And I love that you're doing this matchmaking series on your podcast to educate people because I think that's important. So as matchmakers, like I said, we act as executive recruiters. So we have a team of full-time recruiters. That is their job. They work 40, probably 50 hours a week on recruiting the right matches for our clients. And so we're being very proactive on their behalf to find them and identify and put them in front of the right people. Uh, we do a lot of vetting, a lot of background checks, um, including, you know, Googling the heck out of people. We stalk people to find out, you know, we and we find out everything. I mean, we, before we make a match, we know that person's income, education level, where they went to school, whether they're a homeowner, their home value, their marital status, like literally anything that's out there um, on court records or public records, anything out there on them. We've vetted, we've screened, we've really taken the time to make sure that they're a solid person to represent to our client. And then we do a lot of personality assessments and we spend a lot of time with people. So meeting like this over Zoom, um, having conversations with people. And it's not just about, oh, you like golf and she golfs. Great. Let's put you together. It's about what really matters. Yeah. In a relationship, like how you view the world, the way that you see the world oftentimes impacts who you're going to choose to partner up with and if you're going to be happy in the long term. And it's so funny that you say that, you know, because I always talk about the way people show up and their beliefs. And it is important because those are the things that can break a relationship. It can cause contention. If you're not on the same page, and let's just say, for instance, and I don't want to open up this can of worms, politics was a huge thing for some people some years ago and maybe even still now. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes, it's, it still is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially in certain parts of the country. Yeah. Yes, for sure. But yeah, those are things that we talk about. And so uh, quite often when you think of partnering up with somebody, you're really, you're getting involved with that person, but also their whole family. And not that they have the same beliefs as their family, but for example, we have a client who has a gay son. She's a straight heterosexual woman looking for a man, but she wants us to vet to make sure that that man is supportive of gay rights, that he's not like super conservative in his views on that. And so those are little things that may sound like it's not a big issue, but it really is. And why would we waste her time putting her in front of somebody who's not on the same page with her? 
I mean, when I explain to people how I do what I do, it's like there's so many variables we look at. And this is the idea. It's not just a, it's not a dating service or a dating concierge. We're matchmakers. We're looking yeah. at a million variables. And then we're not just looking at data, but we're also getting a sense of like, what makes you tick? What's your vibe? What's your energy like? And using our intuitive sense to bring people together. So Yes. Energy is so important. And you can tell how somebody shows up with you is most likely how they're going to show up with on a date. And you can definitely read somebody's energy. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes a difference when I'm considering coordinating a date. It's like, are their energies going to match? Are they going to clash? And also these in-depth conversations we have. So there's so many nuances around things that don't get put into a dating profile. So for example, on an app, it may say, do you want children? Yes, no, or maybe you're indifferent. And you check a box. Well, a lot of times there are so many variables that go into that decision. And so having conversations around, do you want a family? What does that look like with a client and then potential matches for that client? And that's such a big conversation that is way more in-depth than on the dating apps, just checking a box. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I've worked with some people where they've said, absolutely not. But then like, I don't want children, but I'm open to these other ways. There's no way for you to translate that. You know, I may not want to have biological children, but I'm open to someone that has children or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, those little subtle nuances are things that you cannot qualify uh, or quantify from an app, you know, or a written profile. And then who wrote the profile? (laughs) (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like people are less open today? You've been doing this since 1998, I think you said. Yeah, I've been doing it professionally since 2009. I feel like people are becoming more selective, more like just more narrow in what they're open to. And I just wonder if that. So I both agree and disagree because I do think that people are more selective, like they feel like they know what they want. But then also, like we talk about locations, all of a sudden everybody's open. And so I think that just like anything in life, we kind of go through stages. And so in the dating world right now, we're in the stage where everybody's open to location, but you know, of course, no one's open to a smoker. So like, so (laughs) so there are different areas that things have opened up and other areas that things have closed down. And I think that's just the nature of the business we're in. It's always going to be that way. Like certain things are higher priority at certain times, just depending on what's going on in the world. Yeah. Do you have like a, because you were just saying that, are there clients that you work with that are harder to match age groups or that are harder to match than others with children, without children, married three times, married one time, older and never married. (laughs) Yes. I would say there are definitely people who are harder to match than others. I don't necessarily think it has to do with the demographic they're in because, you know, a lot of matchmakers will say like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to match women over 60, um, you know, because statistically there are less single men, you know, the more single women. And so on paper, it looks like maybe that would be more challenging. We've had some of our greatest success stories happen with women over 60. It depends on the person. And again, it's about having the conversation before we even take them as a client to make sure that this is going to work for them, that this makes sense for them. And if it's not something that's going to make sense, you know, pointing them in a different direction. And when it give an example, like if it doesn't work for them, what does that look like? Are you saying why we wouldn't take them as a client in the first place? Yes. 
<laughs> so I would say the, the easiest way to define it is if I don't like you, then your dates are probably not going to like you. And therefore, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to find you success. And I don't mean that in a, like in a way of saying like, oh, you know, because there's something you can like about just about everybody. But if I'm having a conversation with somebody and they're constantly taking it to the negative, if they're constantly looking for the worst case scenario versus looking at all the possibilities of what could happen, if they're viewing this from a place of skepticism, like they don't even believe that love can happen for them versus being optimistic about it. It's really about their attitude and their approach. And I'll tell people like, you know what? I, I just think we're not the right fit. Um, and I can certainly point them in a different direction. But yeah, I again, the prices we're charging, the, the um, investment people are making, I would never have somebody make that investment unless I was confident that I could represent them well and that we could get the job, the job done for them really to get them results. Yeah. Another matchmaker that was on um, recently, it described it as, you know, we have to, we are selling our clients. We are representing them, which mm -hmm. means that we have to like them, believe in them. And right. You can't sell a product that you're not into. Yes, absolutely. And you know, it, it's so funny when we have conversations about photos with clients, when they send us all these photos where they're cropped out with a group of friends and other people, and we're, and we have to explain to them, we're selling you, we're marketing you. If you are, have a brand and you're marketing that brand, you have a professional photo shoot done. You want your branding to reflect, you know, what your, what your brand is, what you believe in. And so, yeah, we absolutely have those conversations with clients. Yeah. I think we need to just be honest with that. Right. Yeah. Yes. We have to be right. I think it's our, it's, it's not, it's our job to be, but also our responsibility to be right. Yeah. Yes. And if we want them to be honest with us, yeah, it, I mean, it definitely it's reciprocated. So just like we want them to tell us exactly what they're thinking, we're not mind readers. You know, we want to know if they're not interested in a match, why, if they had a date with somebody, why or why not, they're going to go out again. We need them to be really open and honest with us and they appreciate the same in return. Agreed. That's so what would be an ideal client? Like what I want, you know, potential clients to hear, like what would be an ideal client for you to work with? Yeah. So I think somebody who's optimistic, they believe their person is out there. They're optimistic and excited about love. I think somebody who's flexible and that could be on location, they could be flexible to looking outside of their own backyard. They could be flexible on knowing that the right person for them is not going to fit into this box of, you know, somebody six foot two and taller between these ages, you know, some flexibility and somebody who's willing to trust us as the experts and willing to let us kind of take control and willing to, to kind of put their future in our hands, so to speak, but be excited about the journey, not, not apprehensive. I agree. I do too. Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> Yeah, because it's I, we've all been there. We've had that client that's really rigid and not open and negative. And, you know, they've gone on a few introductions and they've been maybe rejected a couple of times. And then now it's just like all negative. You know, they lost all the wind in their sails. And, and we're trying to we're holding the optimism for them. Um, but it's it's hard. It's rough. Yeah. 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 We definitely, we can't want success for them more than they want it for themselves. And so 
you know, sometimes we'll tell a client in that situation, maybe they need to take a little break, put a little pause on things and kind of uh, recollect themselves and reevaluate things. We've fired clients before. It hasn't happened often, but it's happened a time or two where we've said like, look with the, you know, the way you're approaching this and the, and the, um, kind of attitude that you're displaying, like you clearly don't want this to work and we're not going to work our butts off for you. You know, if you're not in it with us, we're on your team. And if you're not going to be part of the team, then we should go our separate ways. Yeah. Again, being honest with them and yeah, yeah, we can't be successful without their, you know, commitment, involvement and trust and good attitude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What about, do you notice that people change, like as you're working together and the introductions are happening over time, do they change the type of partner that they're looking for? Something they came in feeling really clear about like this ideal person then with time, they, yeah. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And so I also have clients that will go back and forth. So some people who will come in and say, you know, I really want somebody with an Ivy League education who makes over 500,000 a year. That's super important to me. I come from this family background where we really value education and drive and income level. And then maybe they'll go out on a couple of dates and they'll say, you know what? These people are great on paper, but I'm missing that chemistry. So let's forget about that. I don't care how much he makes. And then they'll come back a week later and say, you know what? I was thinking about it. It does matter. And so I think that's part of being single and trying to figure it out, like what works for you, what's acceptable, what's not. We always advise clients to really think of your three must-haves. Like these are my top priorities, no matter what, this person has to be like this. And typically those are things around religion or spirituality. If that's a big part of your world, you know, that's a must-have for you and a partner. Um, And usually it has to do with core values, like your sense of family, whatever your core values are, those are must-haves. And then you have your nice-to-haves. And your nice-to-haves are the things like, you know, the specific age range or this specific height or look or appearance. And so, you know, we tell people like, you can waver all you want on your, your, you know, your nice-to-have things. And that's okay. That's to be expected. But you should get really clear on your must-haves. Yeah, we do too, right? Must-haves, yeah. deal breakers. Yes, absolutely. Non-negotiable. Yeah. yeah. What about rules? What Do you have rules like can't have more than two drinks on the first date, can't have sex on the first date, anything like that? So we don't have rules. We're dealing with adults and they make their own decisions, but we certainly have guidelines. I mean, we certainly, we don't have any hard and fast rules, but we certainly advise clients. Like we tell them absolutely more than two drinks, you're probably not going to show up Um, in the best way on a first date. And we, you know, we kind of advise them even like fashion choices. Sometimes, you know, people, depending on where they're going, aren't quite clear on what they should show up looking like. And so we have those conversations, but no, I don't think we have any strong rules. Then some tips. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Tools. Yeah. I like that. Tools, not rules. Yeah. Yeah, Tools, not rules. (laughs) Yes. I really, (laughs) I recently coordinated a date and, uh, they're like, we hit it off and we we went away for the weekend. We just took a trip. Um, it was in the same country. They didn't leave the country, but I was like, eh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. happy you hit it off. I'm happy you're having a great time. But let's remember that there's a lot of chemicals that are getting secreted in your brain right now, like oxytocin, norepinephrine, dopamine, that are making you feel a lot of feelings that may make you feel like you're in love, you know, and go through that whole trying to give the information 
to help, you know, her stay grounded. Yeah. And that happens often when you have somebody who was married for 20 years and recently divorced. <laughs> and then the first time they experience, because they haven't felt like a rush like that in so long, that it's really easy to get caught up in it. It yeah. feels so it, good, right? It's like, yeah. I, and I, I say that's, we awaken, we awaken the genie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just holding on, like, I want the wheel to not fly off the bus. You know, it's just, yeah. So, and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes we make it, it, it works out, you know, and other times not so much, but with that said, it's always a learning opportunity. So, yeah. And I think that's how we help our clients too. We're there, you know, sometimes just as a sounding board for them to talk through what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. And, you know, we help them to navigate that. But yeah, at the end of the day, they're adults, they're making their own decisions. Yeah. yeah. And then what about, do you collaborate with other matchmakers? Yes, absolutely. We've collaborated with you all before. I know in the past, um, we absolutely. And I think collaborative matchmakers are the best matchmakers. And because there's just this great sense of community where we're all in it to do right by our clients. And so helping each other out, whether that's cross-matching clients, you know, we may have a client who's great for one of your clients or vice versa. And then also with referring clients out. So we may talk to somebody who's, a, you know, a really great candidate for matchmaking, but maybe our price point isn't right for them or something else isn't right for them and referring them to somebody else who would be a better option. And so we absolutely co collaborate. In fact, we attend a couple of conferences a year. We um, try to engage with other matchmakers as often as we can. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing because it's lonely out there for years. I was kind of doing, I was really the only person in the industry primarily that was focusing on lesbians and bisexual women. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. so in, in recent years, I've been able to connect, like we've collaborated and things like that. And it's just, it, it really makes, it just is so much more fruitful because you can expand your network and the potential matches for your clients and yeah. So I've really enjoyed that. I think it's important too. So yeah, I think matchmaking in the nineties and early two thousands was lonely for all of us before all of a sudden we realized like, Hey, we can help each other out here. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So how do folks find you? Where, how can they reach you? Yeah. So we're at Select Date Society on all the socials so on LinkedIn, Select Date Society on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm at Amberly Matchmaker on Facebook and on Instagram and TikTok um, as well. So you can find me that way. And if you Google Amberly Matchmaker, um, you'll find me that way as well. Awesome. And then one last question. Do you have a free database where people can just go on there and complete a profile? We do. Yes. Both. So we have clients who are both men and women. Therefore, both men and women can submit themselves to be on our database. And that's essentially our network that we look at when we're recruiting matches for our clients. So anyone can go to selectdatesociety.com forward slash inquiry, fill out an inquiry form. And at that point, you will be entered into our database. We'll reach out to you to find out more about what you're looking for. But yeah, we love everybody who is single to be on our radar because you never know when you're going to be a match for a client. Right. It has been such a pleasure, Amberly. I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. <laughs> I have too. Me too. And it's awesome to finally see your faith, put a faith with a name. So yes, yes, for both of you. Yes. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you in a few months in, in Mexico. Yes, that's going to be a great conference. I look forward to it as well. 
Awesome. All right. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with anyone you may know who feels misunderstood, confused, or who needs some relationship insights to empower their next move in life. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook using the handle Dr. Frankie Bashan to see some fun behind-the-scenes great appearances and share your thoughts and ideas for future episodes. Until next time, keep embracing your unique story and look out for love, laughs, and lessons.